Amen. Good morning, everyone. Well, welcome everybody that's here, everybody that's uh, watching online. Uh, if you're here, if you, you can do this if you're online too, but if you're here, I want you to look around the building. I want you to find somebody that is decidedly better looking than you are and wave at them. Can you do that? You know, there's always that one person that says, uh, I can't wave at anybody. I think I'll just sit there. Hey, today, today is Sanctity of Life Sunday, where, we, uh, where the nation is reflecting on, on uh, human life and particular about abortion. Sanctity, it's life is the most precious, sacred thing that we can ever have. It's important. Christ came to give us life. In fact, the scripture says, I came to give you life, but not just life. I came to give you abundant life. Abundant life. And I, I want to talk to you today about, about the spirit-filled, spirit-led life. When Christ said he came to give us abundant life, he, he meant what he said. The culture in which you live the political climate in which you live, the social status in which you live, have no bearing whatsoever on the abundant life that you can have in Jesus Christ. The only thing that stops you or stops me or stops any child of God from having the abundant life that they really want to live is the person you look at in the mirror every morning. That's the only one. When Christ came, he, Christ died to, to give us life. He said we had to be born again. We're not just born of the water of this physical life, but when we come to Christ and we receive his spirit, we're born of the spirit. And he gives us life. I think this is just my own personal opinion. You don't have to agree. You can be wrong if you want. Uh, but, but I think that a lot of Christians, most Christians, live below the poverty line on the abundant life. I think we have enough of Christ in us that we live and we're living, but there is an opportunity awaiting every one of the children of God that we can have as much of that life in us as we desire. We're looking at, at Psalm 126, and last week we talked about the need for repentance. He said, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those that dreamed. We talked about it's only the Lord that can restore the fortunes of the church. It's only the Lord that can restore the fortunes of a country. And, it, and we are connected together. It's the we. But I, I want to go on to verse number two. Because he said, our mouths, when the Lord restored, he said, our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. When the Lord does the restoration, when the Lord begins to act, when God Almighty begins to, to move on behalf of his people, there is joy and there is laughter. 
There is a, a great blessing found when God begins to work. Joy is found in that right relationship with God. We said that godly sorrow develops and works repentance. And there is a time, Ecclesiastes 3, 4 says there is a time to be sorrowful, and then there's a time to rejoice. The time to be sorrowful is when you see your life or your nation's life or the, or the world around us falling in, into sin and falling away from God. That's when you need to repent, and, and, and not only for yourself, but for your nation and for your friends and for your family. But when God begins to move... There is a joy that comes in, that, that is unspeakable. And I want to talk to you about that. See, joy is found in a right relationship with God. It's not found in our culture. It's not found in the political arena. It's not found in, 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 a, in the variety of things that we can do in this life. But there is no greater joy for anybody for all people, there is no greater joy than knowing that your sins have been forgiven. I know many of us, uh, I came to faith in Christ in the midst of chaos. I came to, to faith in Christ in the, uh, when uh, Jimmy Carter, in his, in his reign of terror, and uh, I didn't say that, I'm sorry. Lord bless him and bless us. But it was a, it was a, turmoil, uh, a time of turmoil and chaos. And, but what happened was God's people began to pray. And as God's people began to pray, great things began to happen in the church in America. And there was a revival uh, of God's people in the early 80s. And many people, myself included, came to faith because the circumstances in life caused God's people to get a hold of God and began to walk toward him. And when they began to walk toward him, God said, I'm going to act. And when God acted, amazing things began to happen. I came to, to faith, and it, and it was it was difficult times. Twenty six percent inflation, it was our interest rates. It was amazing how difficult it was to find a job and to to do anything in this life. And yet, during that time, I was so free. I was had abundant freedom in my life. Why? Because Christ set me free. I was walking with him, and he would take care of every need I had. We can have a joy in the midst of chaos we can, and turmoil and strife. We can have joy every single day of our lives. One of the things you might want to consider is turning off the news. You have to remember, God restores people. He doesn't restore palaces. God restores people. You have to understand that the very first and foremost thing in your life right now, and you may, you may be here today or you may be watching online, you think, oh, I don't know what's going to go on with our country. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to even happen on Wednesday. I don't, I don't know what's going to go on and it may make you nervous it may make you upset you may be in turmoil but I want you to understand that if you're a child of God everything is under control you're redeemed 
That means he bought you back. You have life, abundant life in you. You have been pardoned. You have been set free. And you have the spirit of the most high God residing in you. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. The spirit of God that is in you is greater than any obstacle you'll ever encounter in this life. He has given us the power of the presence of God in us. You have to let that, that soak in. The scripture says, if that same spirit which dwelled in Christ dwells in you, lives in you, abides in you, when the trumpet sounds, you will be risen from the grave. I want you to think about that for a moment. We're not talking about fairy tales. We're not talking about fantasy. We're not talking about pie in the sky. We're not talking about some ethereal understanding or concept. We're talking about foundation. We're talking about truth, that, that there is a truth that the Lord is going to return. The trumpet is going to sound. The dead in Christ will rise from the grave. Those that are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and we will rule and reign with him through eternity it's going to happen so what are we going to do between here and there well I say we begin to walk in the spirit I love what this what the scripture says then it was said of the nations when God began to work then the nation said, man, he is doing great things. You want to you see the nations come to Christ? Allow God's people to line up with what God wants them to do and how he wants them to live and, and, and follow after his presence and his spirit. And when God begins to move in God's people, then the nations will look and say, look at their God. God's work can't be hidden. In, in 1949, Duncan Campbell, he was, he was a minister. He was sitting in Northern Ireland in church, getting ready to preach. Got up and left. Evidently, he didn't like his sermon. I don't know. Uh, but he, he was sitting there, and he said he felt the Holy Spirit say, get up and go down to the Hebrides Islands. So he got left church in the middle of church, went down to the Hebrides Islands, took a boat over to the islands, and when he got in, and, and there was a group of people that met him, he decided he was going to have a, a two-week revival, and he didn't leave the islands for two years. Almost the entire islands came to faith in Christ. It was from 1949 to 1952, it, the Hebrides revival was just an amazing thing that was heard in religious circles around the world. And it was amazing to me that, that it, it, it took people from all walks of life and they were being trans, uh, their lives were being changed and they were being saved in houses and in church. And in fact, they would have church service and then they would leave the church and then they would go to people's houses and they'd stay there till one or two o'clock in the morning worshiping and praising God. It was an amazing, miraculous event that the hand of God was changing and transforming these, these 
islands of the Hebrides, and, and, they, and it was something that was felt around the world. And, you know, it's really interesting about that is it didn't just happen. If you look at any revival that's ever happened in the church, in God's church, in the people of God, it's always preceded by a time of repentance and a time of prayer, a time of devotion, a time of consecration, a time where God's people line up with the will of God. And when God's people line up with his will, there's nothing that's more powerful in this world. That's why when we talk about being spirit-filled and walking in, in the spirit of God, that walking just means living in a relationship with the spirit of God. That that is the most important thing that we can do. See, between the repentant life that we talked about last week and the joy and the laughter uh, when God begins to move, there is a there is a place in there that we need to to walk there is a journey that needs to be taken by God's people second chronicles seven fourteen says this if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and, and seek my face and turn from their ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land I think a lot of people in America today and this is this is just something that has been bothering me for quite some time a lot of people are wanting God to heal the land but they're not willing to seek his face and when God's people when you and I begin to really dedicate and seek God and we seek his will in our life we seek his will in the life of our friends and our family when we seek his will on what he wants to do in his church when we begin to seek God with everything in us and we start moving off things in our life that are hindering us from walking with God and we begin to passionately pursue him amazing things begin to happen but the healing doesn't take place until the turning. When we turn to God, when we begin to seek Him, what does that mean to seek His face? That means to be able to be in front of Him and know what He's thinking, know what He's saying, and being obedient to what He wants us to do. See, this, this returning, this returning to God, is based of that we need to return to the very precepts of God. We, we talk about walking in holiness and walking in righteousness. You say, well, what's the difference between being righteous and being holy? Let me give you a simple definition. Holiness is an inward change. It's allowing the Spirit of God to change us on the inside. Righteousness is doing the right thing. True righteousness is a reaction or an action to the holiness that's inside. So when we, when we allow the Spirit of God to change us on the inside, we begin to walk in God's ways, which is righteousness, and that, and that is by faith, and that's counted on our behalf. So we need to return to the Lord. And this, and this journey that we need to take from, from repentance to the time when God begins to move, 
is only done when God's people begin to say, I want more of him. And the only way that, that the church will make this journey is by being obedient to the Spirit of God. Being obedient to the Spirit of God. And you say, well, what does that look like? Well, the Bible talks about Philip as he was walking by one day and, and he saw uh, an Ethiopian uh, and he was in a chariot and he was reading the scripture and the Bible says that the Spirit spoke to him and said, go attach yourself to that chariot. So Philip ran to the chariot and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, no, I can't. I don't understand unless I have an interpreter. And he said, I can interpret for you. And the Ethiopian was was transformed. He was baptized that day because Philip was obedient to the voice of the Spirit. You say, well, how, do, how can I be obedient to the voice of the Spirit today? Well, I had somebody in my, in my office actually this morning said that he was at the stoplight today on, coming to church, pulled up to the stoplight. It was red. There's a couple of cars over on this side getting ready to turn left, and there's a couple of cars over here. And he looked out his window, and he saw that somebody had dropped a big bag of trash right there in the road. And, said, and he told me, he said, the Spirit spoke to him and said, get out of your car and pick that up. And he said, I don't want to do that. But he was obedient and did it. I kind of wonder... You know, and when he was telling me this, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but when he was telling me this, he said, I, I don't know why, you know, there was no, no light from heaven that shined on him. There was nobody that was transformed. Nobody changed right there. He just felt obedient and did it, and the Lord smiled on him. But I wonder what those people around him thought. Just a simple act of taking care of the community. See, when, you, when you're following after the Spirit of the Lord and, and you're listening to the voice of the Lord, one thing that the Spirit will never do is contradict the Word of God. So if you're wanting to be righteous and if you're wanting to be holy and if you're wanting to follow after God, number one, you, you need to pray. You have to pray. Prayer is, is connecting with God, but it's not just a monologue. It's a dialogue because you can hear from the Lord just as the Lord as you can tell or speak to the Lord you can hear from him it's a two-way street you need to read the Word of God because the word the Word of God is God speaking to you in written form it's not just for yesterday it's not just for those that were written 2,000 years ago but it's alive and real and it will speak and transform your life today and the Spirit and the Word, the Scripture says, always agree. If you hear the voice of the Lord and it contradicts the Word of God, it's not the voice of the Lord. It's probably that pepperoni pizza you ate at 9 o'clock. The Spirit and the Word always agree. See, when, you're, when we as God's people begin this journey moving from where we are to, to aligning with what God wants us, there is a freedom that takes place that, that it doesn't matter what the climate of our culture is. It doesn't matter 
what the political arena is. It doesn't matter what people are doing, what people are saying. It doesn't matter if we're living in, in great abundance or, or if it's a difficult time in life. You have freedom and abundant freedom. You have life and abundant life, and it's only found by those that are following after the Spirit of God. Romans 8.1 tells us, There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you want to be free, if you want to feel the freedom of God, if you want to live above that poverty line of, of the Spirit and the abundant life, you follow after the Spirit of God in your life. And to follow after the Spirit it means you need to have more of the Spirit. And to have more of the Spirit requires that you and I rid ourselves of the things that fill our life and allow the presence of God to just pour into us. Jude warns us of the fallacy of following our own will and doing our own thing. And he's talking to Christians and he says, there, there will be men that will divide you who follow their natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. One of the greatest things that, that has hurt the church in America is that, that a leaders that have forsaken following after the Spirit and are following their own desires and are following their own creativity and following their own ideas on how to grow and build the church of God. I said it, and I'm not taking it back. I, I, I promise you this, we, we are in a time in, in this life where doing, serving God our own way will not get you where you need to go. We are living in a day and time where the spiritual realm is alive and active and it's pushing against the church. And the church will not be able to stand those that are in church will not be able to stand if you're trying to live for God your own way. If you're trying to live for God easy, it's really hard. But if you try, if you live for God hard, it's really easy. There's a time, and we're at it now, where it's just like in the, in the first century, that those that were successful, those that, 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 that saw great things from God, those that saw revival, were the ones that were sensitive to the voice of the Lord in their life, and they were obedient to that call. They were obedient to the voice of God. They listened to the Lord. They understood what the Lord wanted and they acted on it even if they didn't comprehend why he wanted them to do it. And it's we're in a day and time and like I said I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet but I will tell you this that I do believe that we are in a time that if you really want to walk with God you're going to have to lay aside church polity. You're going to have to lay aside the religious uh, things that we have in our life and you're going to have to get a hold of God get a hold of a relationship with God allow the spirit of God to fill you allow the spirit of God to flow through you quit thinking about what, what I can do for God and to let God be God in your life let him transform you on the inside and then the outside will take care of itself walking in the spirit will bring unity and harmony not only in your life, 
but in the life of the church. It, it, it's when we all begin to work together. It's that spirit that, that we have, that, that when we get us beside our own self and we lay aside all of what we think should happen and what we think needs to be done, and we trust in the Lord and we begin to pray and call on Him, great things happen. But living a spirit-filled life requires a willingness to surrender to God. Paul said it this way when he's talking about surrendering to the will of God. He said, the things that I want to do in my life, I just don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do them. He said, what does he mean by that? Just because that you are a Christian and you have the Spirit of God in your life does not mean that you don't have a carnal, fleshly nature. You know when you're going to get rid of that carnal, fleshly nature? When you die. Sorry, I am so sorry, but it's there until the day you die. It's just there. I thought that the carnal nature would get less the older I get. Surprise, surprise, surprise. The carnal nature is the carnal nature. It's the nature within us that wants to do what we want to do, and we don't care what anybody else thinks. We, and, it, and it's that nature that pushes against the Spirit of God. And what Paul was saying, there's always going to be a conflict within your life that, that you're going to have your, your will in this life, and you're going to have the Spirit of God in your life. And which one you yield to is, is going to determine how blessed you are with God. And I do believe we're at a time that we need to set aside the flesh. Paul said, I die daily. I crucify my, my flesh every single day. What does that mean? That means you have to look at your flesh and say, you're not going to have your will. You're not going to have your way. I'm following after God. I knew a person that uh, he would, every morning he'd get out of bed, he'd throw his feet over the, on, before he ever stood up out of bed, he'd say, Lord, I love you. Devil, I hate you. And he set his day. He set his agenda. Every single morning. If you, don't, if you don't crucify your flesh, if you don't allow it to be pushed down, if you don't, if you don't pin it against the wall, if you don't subdue it, if you do, and the only way to subdue it, and the only way to pin it against the wall, the only way to, to crucify it is allowing God's presence in your life. It's the same way there was a, there was a movie years ago I don't know if any, anybody ever saw it, and I don't know why, but I don't know why it came in my mind, but I'm going to use it anyway. Lady in the Water. And there was a guy in there that only exercised one side of his body. And one side, he had a huge arm on his right side and a little bitty arm on his left side. Big leg on one side and a little bitty leg on the other. Because he only exercised one side. See, something that I have found out that that the, the muscles that you exercise, those are the ones that are grow. And, and it's the same 
in the spiritual realm. If you exercise the spiritual man, he's going to get stronger. And when he gets stronger, the fleshly man gets weaker. So the more you exercise the spiritual person, the spiritual individual, the physical man, the carnal man becomes weaker. It's whoever that you feed, it's whichever one that you exercise, that's the one that's going to be dominant in your life. You and I have the choice to decide which one we're going to feed. Are you going to feed your carnal man or are you going to feed your spiritual man? And the developing of your spiritual man always comes through surrendering to the will of God. It will come through prayer. It will come through, through scripture. It will come through fasting and through dedication and devotion. It's always about us submitting to the will of God. When I came to Christ, when I came to Christ many years ago when dinosaurs roamed the land, um, it, was, it was amazing. I, did, I, I struggled with coming to Christ for an entire year because I was afraid I was going to lose my identity. I was going to be one of those Christian little robots that just kind of walked around and they had no personality and they had no character. They were just Christians. And I wanted to be me. But when I finally got to that place that I couldn't stand me, and I surrendered my life to the Lord, an amazing discovery. I found out that the person who I thought I was was not really me at all. It was an illusion. It was a smoke. It was mirrors. It was my own understanding. It's who I thought I was. And when I began, and when I started following the Lord, and, and I started submitting my will to the Lord, he began to reveal to me who I really am. You want to know who you are? To thine own self be true. If you really want to know who you are, Submit your ways and your will to the Lord. Give your life to him. And I will promise you this, that the person you think you are is so inadequate and inferior to the person God has made you to be. The closer you get to God, the more you realize that we were created for something far greater than, our, than appeasing our ego or satisfying the desires in this life. We are made for something so amazing that we are the children of God. And he has gone to prepare a place for us. If you think you're just going to sit on a cloud playing a harp, man, you need to read the scripture. God has great things in line for us. The Bible says that no mind can comprehend and no eye has seen and no ear has heard the things that God has prepared for those that love him. There's, there's something great that's that's ahead of us and you catch a glimpse of it the closer you get to him and the closer you walk with him and the more you are obedient to the presence and the spirit of God in your life you begin to understand what you were really made for you understand that this world is not your home you begin to see life in a different perspective you look at how how insignificant everything around us really is and you see life on an eternal perspective and you realize I am 
made for something greater than this. And I am not going to submit myself to the, to the beggarly elements of this world because I'm a child of God and he has made me for glory and he has made me for things to, to, uh, to grasp and, and greater things than anything that's in this world. And when you begin to understand who you are by submitting your life to him, amazing things in your life will transpire. Life will change. Your view of life will change. Victory, true victory, understanding who you are, walking in the Spirit, living victorious in this life, awaits all that will surrender their lives and follow after the Spirit of God. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back if they would. I'm going to ask everyone to stand, if you would, as well. Can I ask you a personal question? Well, I'm going to ask. That's rhetorical, so don't, don't say no. I had a guy in a former church. I would say, this is a rhetorical question. And I'd ask, and he'd respond. All right, here's the question. Are you ready? And this is for all of us. What's keeping you from living the abundant life in Christ? Let me throw out a few things. Maybe it's how you want people to perceive you. Or cares of the world I don't know what it is but I do know this anything that keeps you from really following after him and pursuing him with everything in you is not what you think it is if we're holding on to something and it's hindering us from walking after Christ. Our view and perspective of whatever it is that we're holding on to is failed. It's an illusion. Because anything that I have let go of in my life and moved closer to the Lord, I've seen it for what it really is. And it was nothing. It was here today and gone tomorrow because this world and everything in this world is going to fade. But our relationship with Christ will remain through eternity. If you want to have victory over the cares of life, if you want to have abundant joy in the middle of suffering, if you want to feel the presence of God in the middle of chaos and turmoil, if you want to have an inner peace that nobody can shake, if you want to stand on the solid rock of salvation, surrender your life to the Lord and allow Him to reveal to you who you really are. Because who we think we are and who we really are are discovered 
by crucifying our flesh and surrendering to him. Can I encourage you today? Let's follow after the spirit of God. You say, well, how do I do that? One, you begin to pray. Prayer starts with, God, this is me. And he's never going to respond by saying, who? He knows you. The Bible says, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. The Lord is just waiting for hearts to draw close to him. Pray. You say, I don't know how to pray. Well, we didn't know how to talk when we were little kids, but we learned. And just keep praying. Keep talking to the Lord. It will happen. Read the word of God. Give your life wholly to him. And amazing things will happen. You'll see yourself in the light that he really wants you to be seen. And you know what's really amazing? I'm going to quit talking because I'm over time. The closer I get to him, and the more I see him, and the more I see myself in his light, the more I want to be with him. The song, This World Is Not My Home, I'm Just Passing Through, becomes so real and so relevant. Let's, let's change. Let's walk in the Spirit. Let's allow the Spirit of God to, to lead us and to guide us, because He'll lead us and to guide us into all truth. And let's see what the amazing things God will do with a body of believers that are solely sold out and committed to what the will of God is for our lives. Can we do that? Would you pray with me?